0: Welcome to American Players Theater, Talkbacks to Go. I'm Buzz Kemper, and I invite you to take a walk up the hill with Orange Schroeder and me as Orange chats with director Derek Sanders and actor Cedric Mays about APT's 2016 production of The African Company Presents Richard III by Carlisle Brown.
1: We are here with uh, Derek Sanders, the director, and Cedric Mays, who plays uh, James Hewlett, to talk about the play The African Company Presents, Richard III. This is written by uh, a contemporary playwright named Carlisle Brown, who is now based in Minneapolis. And I was wondering um, if uh, you can talk a little bit, Derek, about his work. He's both a a writer and a performer. Do you know him personally? I do. I do. I know Carlisle. Uh,
2: I've known him for about ten, twelve years or something like that. And I think um he's really interested in um in history. So a lot of his plays have to deal with um history and um and and culture and how they apply to uh um America and this great melting pot that we have in America. Um another one of his plays that Gavin Lawrence was in who's also in African Company is um um what is the name of that play? Um, passing no pure confidence. It's about a jockey. It's about a, a a a black jockey. He does plays about history mostly and his plays um um focus in on characters from different ethnic ethnicity groups and he's interested in how do they how do they apply themselves throughout history. And he's really interested in that. It's just a wonderful writer, really epic. He writes epic stories. I think,
1: and and speaking of history, the African Company is actually a historic uh, entity.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. In eighteen twenty-one, um, the African uh, Theater, is African or African Grove Theater, um, was it founded in New York, and they considered themselves the uh, first uh, theater of color in the United States.
1: And who were the actors in the original company? I mean, were they? Um did they, was it, uh, did they aspire to be professional actors, or were
2: they...? Well, a lot of them, there was no professional acting um, place for them, and um, that's kind of what the play is about. Uh, but James Hewlett, who Cedric plays, was the premier actor and also the director and, uh, and part, part of a producer, kind of organizer of the event. And um, also a young Ira Aldridge was in the troupe at the time, and he was studying under James Hewlett, so uh, that's one of the interesting facts. I, Ira Aldridge is, um, by all extents and purposes, considered one of the um, lead, leading um, tragedians of, of Shakespeare. Um, um, and he has a, I think his headstone. He has a statue and statue in um, in London. Is it in London or is it in Amsterdam? Amsterdam, I think. Is in, it's in <laughs> Amsterdam. Yeah, because after that he went to Europe. Ira Alders went to Europe and he toured all over, uh, doing um, doing Shakespeare plays and great tragedies all over.
1: Yeah. So he had a long career doing uh, doing Shakespeare, but the African Absolutely. Grove Theater didn't last as long.
2: No, it lasted about seven seven years. And um and then it uh burned down and um under suspicious circumstances, let's say. And uh, the theater was burned down. But I think they got at least 10 plays. They ended up doing at least 10 different plays. But the African company presents... His actual article you know is a review of these uh, of these black people doing um, the tragedy of King Richard the third, so I mean it's actual um, historical fact that you can look up and I think uh, it's interesting to see how they navigated that in in that time eighteen twenty one um, and that's what really kind of intrigued me about the play and the idea about doing it in American players.
1: So these were free free slaves, free blacks living in New York, mm-hmm, um, but personally. probably pretty segregated. I mean, did they draw a black audience or a white audience at all?
2: Primarily, it was a uh, black audience. But for the f- first time, you know, they had a partition for whites in the audience, which is in the documented review that they put a partition up because they started fitting so many people were interested in seeing black people do uh, Shakespeare. They didn't think it was possible. I mean, I think. You know, one of the things that you know um, that was important to me as we were considering doing plays, um, and we were talking about so many plays, and I was talking to Brenda and Carrie um, about what plays we wanted to do, and and when I read this one again, and I had done it at Congo Square in Chicago as a company, I found it, and uh, we had produced it. And I knew what the play was, and I knew what it meant to us to do the play. It was about the history of of black actors and the start of a black theater company. And and, and but here, you know, it's something different. You know, I'm I'm exploring um, something different in the play. And I think the play, it, and it speaks more to the heart of I think what the play and what Carlisle speaks about, and that is is that two hundred years ago they didn't think. That blacks should be on the stage doing Shakespeare, but it was hugely popular because of the way they approached acting, right? Um, And 200 years, you know, almost 200 years now, we still struggle with um, diversity on Hollywood stage and in American theater. We still struggle with. African-Americans and people of color thinking they're not qualified enough or they don't know the language enough or they're disenfranchised. Um... Um, to do Shakespeare or classical plays, and um, or even directors who, like myself, who have never been asked to do a Shakespeare or never been approached to do a Shakespeare. And it goes so far. You know, so far, I had a conversation with Brenda about uh, Jim DeVita, who's a company member here. You know, he connected to the play, came to a run, and really loved the play. And it was uh, really excited because it, speak to, it spoke to his experience. And he was speaking about how... Um, how he um who was from um long island was you know wasn't supposed to be an actor you know and wasn't supposed to be doing shakespeare so i think the the question in the play is who who
1: owns shakespeare who does shakespeare belong to you know, and I think in this four hundredth anniversary of Shakespeare's death, it's a really relevant question and is um, attracting a lot of attention. You know, who who owns Shakespeare and why is Shakespeare still relevant to so many of us in today's world? I mean, four hundred years was a long time ago. Um, I wanted to ask Cedric to speak a little bit about being a black actor in um, the classical world today, and if you have some thoughts on this, and also if you have some thoughts about the character you're playing.
0: Yeah. Um well, to answer the first question about classical works, um, and I'm, I'm asked periodically to do them. Uh, for me, it's something that I think has to speak to me personally. I have to connect with the play in a certain kind of way in order to do it because I come from a black Southern background, and those things are very important to me. So certain things have to hook into me in order to want to tell that story. And once I find myself in, once I find on in, into that classical play, then it becomes a little easier. and I can wrap my mind around what it is, whether if it be Shakespeare or Chaucer or you know some of the Greeks, you know, finding a way that I can wrap my mind and my body in such a way that I can enter that play. Um, particularly for this one with James Hewlett, what I think is interesting about this man is you have a man who escaped from slavery, from the Sugar Islands. It's a long ride from Sugar Islands to New York, when he gets to New York, he doesn't know anybody. You know, there is no welcome mat at, at the port, if you will, and he essentially has to create a, a new man for himself, a new way of survival. He has to innovate. And uh, I just bought an album this morning, actually, as a Robert Glasper's um, new album, "Everything Is Beautiful," uh, where he takes Miles Davis's compositions and reworks them. And in the liner notes, he was talking about the brilliance of Miles Davis is that every period through his career, he seems to be changing. He seems to adapt to the the um, time that he's in, and I think that's always been the, the 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 artistic genius of black people. Really, is that we've always innovated in every single mode that we find ourselves in. So I think James Hewlett, once again, finding himself within that continuum. He comes to America, he discovers what he needs to do in order to survive here and to be successful, and the theater is a way for him to do that, is a way for him to explore his freedom, to explore his citizenship in this country. And uh, it's really telling that you know Richard III is the play that he is really attracted to about a guy who's an outsider, who is saying... You look at me as an outsider, but I am a part of this fabric of this of this country. Deal with that. And I think throughout the course of this play, we see the growth of that within him, which is very um interesting to me. It's been very challenging, you know, to figure out what that is. You know, how does one explore their citizenship dramatically, you know, within what Carlisle Brown has written as the play? of James Hewlett and as a black actor in 1821 using Shakespearean text to explore citizenship. I think that's just very, uh, very interesting.
1: 1821 is a long time ago. And um, obviously the experience of the characters that you're playing was totally different than, than your experience today. Sometimes. In what way is it the same?
0: (laughs) Well, like Derek mentioned uh, earlier, opportunity, opportunity, You know, sometimes the opportunity isn't there. I mean, uh, uh, there are a lot of wonderful writers who write things for black Americans to say and do, but sometimes finding those productions, are they being done? As a professional actor, how much are they paying? You know, I can't live off $200 a week, you know? So as as an artist, you know, as a black artist, you had to make those decisions. Man, when do I do it for the art and the love, and when do I do it for the money? And sometimes, some seasons, there's only that one or two roles at a theater company, and everybody's jockeying for that, that one, one or two roles, and it just becomes very difficult sometimes. So I say all that to say yeah, it's more the same sometimes, you know? And that's why these folks created their own place. To perform their own uh, f- perform work to create work for themselves, which is why I think we also have the Black Arts Movement, which created companies uh, that allowed Black artists to tell stories and to celebrate themselves.
1: And I think that that's something that that Derek has also been involved in creating your own theater and and wanting to both make sure that there's a place for the work that you want to do, but also being part of the the dialogue on a larger basis and just to finish Derek I wanted to mention that you said that you had been looking for a play that would be um, on a topic that was something we all should be talking about can you wrap us up by saying why this play fits that that mold
2: well again I think um, that at American Players Theater you know there was a time where and there is still a bias I think from Americans doing Shakespeare not just Americans of color but all Americans doing Shakespeare. Um, they think that the British do it best and there's still that idea out there and there's still that idea that Shakespeare is. Uh, if it's going to be a classical text it has to be available to everybody and as, as American Players Theater starts to grow, they're taking head on this issue of diversity and Wanting their season to look like the America that exists now and the tapestry that we have in it and explore that. So I thought that is the thing that we should be looking at in the play and I, that's why I thought it was important to do it here.
1: Great. Thank you so much. Both of you were really excited about this production. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Talkbacks to Go is a production of Orange Tree Imports and Audio for the Arts. Your host is Orange Schroeder. I'm Buzz Kemper. Our music is used by permission of the artist. Please find us on iTunes and YouTube under APT Talkbacks to Go. Thank you for listening.